All right. Hello, and welcome to Stable Discussion. Um, how are you today, Della? Oh, Ben, I'm doing great. Um, you know, there is a lot to be thankful for in the world, and this is, I don't know, I don't know where I'm going with this. I, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. That's all right. You're in a good mood. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, I have it sometimes. Honestly. Um, it's, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so, you know, it's not that you're in a good mood. Middle <laughs> of the week. That's, that's great, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, today we've been kind of talking about, you know, what sort of things are going on. Um, everyone and their mom is putting JatGPT into their applications. It yeah. is the AI gold rush, um, and everyone's getting involved. Um, some people are sick of it already. I'm yeah. sure uh, everyone who uh, starts talking about AI in some rooms gets a stink eye and is like, "Hey, stop!" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but we're gonna keep talking about it because you know, it's yeah, you, we, it's what we you, like to talk about. you came to us, so you can't get mad at us talking about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, we recently put out an article about FOMO, uh, a little bit, but, um, we wanted to dive in a little bit more and talk about sort of where that, that kind of urgency is coming from, um, because it's sort of everywhere because everyone's using chat GPT. Um, there is sort of this push now, um, for a lot of companies to get, get something created, get something set up, um, in the, the recent, um, kind of release, uh, the notable company that, uh, I can think of was um, Instacart. They're having uh, they they have plans to be able to put ChatGPT uh, into their cart service so that you can um, select like a meal that you want to prepare, uh, and it'll give you a suggestion for sort of like what meals can be prepared with sort of the ingredients and help you kind of put those things in your cart. Um, similarly, uh, I think Shopify has a similar uh, integration that they're planning to be able to do some sort of aggregation of a lot of different shops and help you find. Uh, different goods to buy. Um, and uh, Slack, I think, also today, uh, just, just announced they're going to uh, put that into their service as well. Yeah, there's there's an unending amount of companies who are going to do this, you know, um, and everyone who is trying to avoid AI in their products is going to, whether or not they want to have AI in their products, um, mm-hmm. be introduced to, to it. I think... Mm-hmm. I think what's really fascinating to me, um, there's tons of things that are fascinating to me, but one thing that's really interesting to me about this is, um, and you talk about this a bit, the, the FOMO, um, this, this rush to not miss out on the next iPhone, let's call it that. You know, you look at people, you look at companies uh, that, for example, had smartphones uh, or phones that were almost smartphones in 2005. You know, 2007 is when the iPhone came out, I think it was. You know, you had the Pine Pilots, sorry, Palm Pilots. You had other similar um, products that were giving you smart-ish phones. And nothing really compared to the iPhone, bring it all together in that perfect package and just mm-hmm. dominating the market. Android, I guess, kind of compared, and they came in a little bit later, but they they did what they found a niche that iPhone was not targeting, which is, you know, low cost. And they, now there's a dichotomy between Android and iPhone, essentially between the two um, OSs um, and you know some different phones for Android, but more or less that's what you had. You know, Windows tried to kind of get in there with the Windows Phone. Blackberry yeah, Windows phone. really, Windows really <laughs> thought they had a good chance. Like they had you know great software. They bought Nokia. Um, they were really doubling down on the idea that you would have a Windows desktop as your phone. <laughs> yeah, you know that, that was the hope. Um, and you know you you had other companies to try their own you know hand edits, um, their own OSs, um, and it just never took you know it, it kind of i think the feeling people had eventually was um if you weren't 
in the market early enough. And also, I mean, you could be really early and then not have a good product. You'd have a good product and be early. That combination has to happen. Um, if you don't do that, then you're, you're out of luck. And I think this is the, the fear that everybody has right now. And it's not just because I think um, you could be, you could be, there's two kind of groups I, I see in my mind. There's the, you know, the startup group or the people who are like, I don't have a, I don't have a company, but now a great app idea with AI. I don't do it now. I'm going to miss out on my chance. I got to do it. What do I do with it? Is it really a good app idea or do I just want to get on that gold rush? You know, you have that kind of like that quorum, let's say that kind of group. And then you have the second group, I think, which is the established industry or company um, that can see down the pipeline that their product of choice is suddenly um, no longer going to be viable in five years or three years or two years. And they want to get out ahead of it as fast as possible. Um, and, you know, I, I, they, there's different motivations for those crowds. But I think one thing they have in common is that they're both throwing everything at the wall right now. Um, and it can, it's going to get annoying for us. It's going to get annoying for them. It's going to be uncomfortable for everybody for a while. And we're going to see gems in all of this, you know, here or there. And it's going to be really hard to predict what those gems are. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any insights? Do you have any thoughts as to what, they think, what you think it's going to take to make something stand out from the crowd using something like the ChatGPT API? And actually, before you start, let me kind of explain in case we have any listeners here who are just like brand new. ChatGPT is a really cool um, chatbot, let's say, that came out from OpenAI a couple of months ago and has taken the world by storm. Um, now, the thing about all products like this um, is that behind the scenes, there's, you know, the chatbot itself is, is run by an API, um, just, a, just a way for you know, uh, uh, an app to communicate with a, a back ser backend service. And that was really closed off until about two weeks ago. I think it was just two weeks. Um, that was opened up to the world. And now we all can make our own you know, chat, GPT, APIs, um, so or, or apps or whatever it may be. Um, and I made one. Uh, I showed it to Ben. I showed it to some people at the company. Um, trying to think about what could be interesting and fun to do with this. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And this is now suddenly taking the world by storm. It is, what day is today? Today is the 8th of March, uh, 2023. Just as you know, just so you can know. <laughs> if you listen to this, probably in April or May, you're like, what do you mean taking the world by storm? It's already a storm. It's been a storm twice over. <laughs> probably. Um, so... You're, you're probably in the future and thinking, how little did you know, Della? And yeah, how little did I know maybe? So Ben, the question, um, now that we have this, the storm coming in, now that we're in the middle of the storm, what do you think is going to take for any company, any person to stand up from the crowd? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, the, the companies that often do really well in these, in these kind of periods are the companies that, that look to simplify so, so the thing that ChatGPT does um, that is actually really annoying <laughs> to most customers is it gives them a big text prompt and says, hey, type. And I don't think most customers really like that. Um, like even, even when you look at like mid-journey or you look at like um, AI images, the thing that you kind of get led in with is, wow, look at these images. And, and everyone loves that. Instagram is built on that. Pinterest is built on that. Uh, this ability for you to kind of get a categorization, go and look through like a, a series of images that doesn't require this sort of like effort, right. Of, of typing something in. Um, I think for services that are type based, like if you think about notion or you think about like uh, tools that are for, sort of based on ideation, um, ChatGPT is great, but it, 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 
sort of produces this, um, I will say like sort of like rough output. Um, in kind of one of our earlier blog posts uh, about AI sandwiches, um, we talked about how uh, effectively like like the, the the kind of proper way of using an AI is is you kind of have an idea of what you want. You give it a prompt. It gives you back some kind of content. And then it's up to you to kind of take that content and form it into something meaningful for you, right? Something that actually maps to the, the real world. Um, and what I think we're going to see a lot of, at least in this kind of current period of time, is like no one's putting like, that last piece of bread on no one's really kind of closing it off making it into a real sandwich there's just a lot of like open face sandwiches lying around in yeah. all these applications um and so yeah i think to stand out it's it's a deep understanding of like what this thing provides in a meaningful way for your sort of organization um and i think there's a lot of cool ways to do that it's just they're very subtle <laughs> Everyone's looking at the big flashy way of doing things. And I think that's largely for stakeholder value. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, don't, I don't think it's for any customer, I, uh, you know, except for maybe Bing and, and, and Google search. You know, I think like that, that is a text field that you type into. So yeah, it fits. Yeah. Um, but most companies don't have that. Um, exactly. You're creating a new interface for them um, <laughs> that might actually be another barrier um, to success. It could make things cool and interesting in a fun way, um, or maybe it can even help answer the occasional question that would be normally very hard for them to answer. But if you make it like a wall, like, hey, to get to our product, you now have to talk to this chatbot. It's like, well, I could have just clicked on this button that was there a minute ago. Um, mm-hmm. Then you're you're actually making a mistake. You're co- making, you're adding complexity, uh, as it were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think what this is going to do short term, which we've kind of been th- talking about off and on, is it's this... Um, the barrier entry to getting in is really low. Yeah. So it's like really easy to like pull in this app, pull in ChatGPT's interface, build your own app with it. Um, there's this really cool uh, uh, site I use. Um, uh, I think it's like there's an AI for that. Uh, it's basically oh, yeah. just an aggregation of a bunch of different AI tools that people have built. Um, and I've actually got a, <laughs> I have an AI that's actually watching that page and notifies me every time something new gets put on there. I just so I can kind of see how often it happened. So something something changes almost every day, which is cool. Um, uh, but but that just kind of also shows you how easy it is to build something right now. Yeah, um, it's all the rage. There's so much interest in it, but it's really easy to get something out, something that is actually really impressive out. And they're all impressive in the same way. Yeah, largely. technically impressive. Generally, like wow, it's so <laughs> cool. Fundamentally, that I can talk to this thing, and it <laughs> understands what I want in natural language, and it's not an actual human being. And sometimes mm-hmm. it can give me a link or it can give me a, a little a little tool to use. That's exactly what I need. Mm-hmm. That is technically, I mean, like if we say, take a step back and just think about the fact that we're in a world now where we've mm-hmm. more or less solved the natural language communication barrier between humans and machines. And mm-hmm. what this is going to continue to improve and, 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 and move towards is fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. That's all very impressive. And it's impressive that we have mm-hmm. companies being able to make apps like that quickly. And, you know, kudos to, to OpenAI for creating the foundation and then the platform for us to be able to do so. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not the only kind of impressive that matters. Mm-hmm. It isn't. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, there's a lot of, and there's, there are a lot of like, cool nuanced things. I think the thing that I've seen the most is like uh, writers, like writing assistant tooling, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, I used one that was actually really good. Uh, it's called PseudoWrite. Um, and one, t- one tool that it had like sort of within it is it had like this brainstorming, um, tool 
where you're like, hey, I kind of want to come up with like the name for a character or something like that. And you could you could give it a prompt. So it's like, hey, like give me like the name and race of a drug dealer alchemist or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and it's like, you know, obviously it has to be a no. Like, has to be a no. Bruno. Yeah, there's there's a dumb uh, that it generated. Er, uh, uh, Bruno Poppin <laughs> is one. Uh, <laughs> there was uh, yeah Herbert Zonk, the half orc. Anyway, there's a bunch of like really good, <laughs> really good ones there. Just for clarity, uh, um, we we talk about races. We're talking about probably Dungeons and Dragons races. So don't yes, don't don't worry. We're not <laughs> we're not getting any one um, Dungeons and Dragons race. Uh, sorry, Dungeons and Dragons race like the crappy end of the stick either. You know, gnomes can do it. Uh, yep. <laughs> Dragonborn, everybody. Um, oh, yeah. Equal opportunity drug dealers here. Yeah. So this tool is is like an assistant. It's like a it's like, hey, this is a thing that is gonna enhance my writing fundamentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, writing happens in all kinds of walks of life. You know, we have technical writing you have to do for work. And I, I think honestly, this is one way I use uh all kinds of like well, mostly chat and based AIs now, where it's like I have to write out all this stuff. And I don't want to. Um, here's a summary. Here are some points. Flesh it out. Here's some more information as well. Can you can you add more details? Um, I think I think this is going to be super powered. And I'll talk about this later. I think the next kind of like way that you're going to see in super powering our, our models is going to be attaching it to direct internet access. Um, sure. You know that's that's something you already see with Bing. And in fact, I have access to Bing, and I can really see some cool stuff. And I'll talk about that too. But that's going to be the next way, and that's going to really help improve their ability to do things like that. Like, hey, a good example of this is um, I have to write up a technical document about, you know, how you can use, let's say, React. You know, this is a React as a library that we use in, in front-end development uh, to create cool graphs on your application, um, you know, and how to design them to look good. Well, you know, this is kind of well-treaded territory, but I want to kind of have my own flavor and have my own, th- my own thoughts. And I can just say, here's some bullet points Fundamentally, but things I think are relevant and interesting. You know, I want to show how dark theme stuff can look really great. I want to show some really interesting, you know, ways in scripts with, you know, Redux or who knows what. Here's some really cool things I want to talk about. Um, but I don't want to actually write out the entire um, blog post. Um, can you go on the internet? Do that search for me. Take those points I have. Make sure it's all valid. The latest libraries, the latest, you know, context. So it's cool. And write it out for me. And uh, yeah, I think we're, I think we're basically there. I think we're, um, we're there for small blog posts, uh, mm-hmm. and it, we're going to get there for big ones soon. Mm-hmm. And I think that the other thing that's interesting about this that kind of helps solve some concerns <laughs> about like misinformation here is you can also have it output sort of sourcing, and that's yes. sort of like something Bing does, like while it's while it's doing this work, yes. is it sort of hey, I produced this. Here are my sources. Here's sort of like how I got there. Um, and that then gives you an easier time of being able to kind of go follow up and say, Hey, did it pull the right stuff or not? Yeah. Um, this, this kind of leads into like another, uh, another whole kind of range of this, which is like the challenges that come from an AI gold rush. Um, we're in this point where people are so excited about this technology. We are too. <laughs> Why we talk about it yeah. <laughs> several times a week. Um, but, uh, you know, we're, we're excited about this and, and, and so is everyone. And, and we're kind of at the point where um, there's so much excitement that, that people may even be turning a blind eye to some of the problems that exist today. Yeah. We have a um, name, we have a name for hallucinations and, and mm-hmm. language models. And, you know, there were a big problem. We had a, there was a big to do 
you know, big hullabaloo when Google showed their Bard, um, which is their, their search agent that they want to show off to the world soon. Um, and they had a technical error on there. It wasn't that large one. It was just kind of like a slight move. It was something like, um, it was the first time the Hubble telescope or the new telescope took a picture of a certain kind of planet. Not the first time any telescope took a picture of a, a certain kind of planet. But that small mm-hmm. distinction was was enough to give them a lot of, let's say, guff from the you know the greater world. And uh, rightly or wrongly, you know, I, I couldn't tell you which one it is. Um, that that really did impact things. But now it mm-hmm. feels like even the last couple of weeks, people are like, oh, now that I have access <laughs> to this API, ah, uh, nations, smush, solution nations, you know, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and 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 yeah, I think I think because there's this access, because it's public, because it's so easy to build with it, people just kind of want to do it. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's everyone's kind of now getting a little bit more leeway to try to just drive on whatever their ideas are. Yeah. And that might impact, I think, overall cultural changes. It might be that overall, we, we think the value of these models is so high. Uh, it took them making their lives easier, especially if we can get, you know, some of the edges that we have right now smooth out that the pain from having hallucinations becomes less and less um of a stickler you know um Mm -hmm. i think this is already impacting google for example you know uh, if you look at the history of google and language models you know they've been they've been sitting on this stuff for years um they had something called nina in 2020 um they had lambda um behind those doors for years and they've been integrating search and chats and docs but they're they have a (laughs) such a funny thing to consider they have an ethics and um, on board for ai and, mm-hmm. and it, you know, this is the funny, this is what's funny to me. I remember a couple of years back, um, there was a, uh, there was a big media storm over Google firing, um, a particular, um, ethicist and AI ethicist that was, um, working for them. Timnit Gebru. She's Ethiopian. That's, I remember her name easily. I'm also Ethiopian. Um, so, uh, she, and I think she had another cult colleague as well, um, were really, really, um, unhappy with language models. You know, internal Google's working towards language models uh, and and integrating into their applications, and they want to have an ethics committee go over all that work and research, and talk about you know what that meant for the products in the future and what was viable and what kind of ethical you know considerations had to come to play. And they released this paper, uh, I think after the fact, but I think even they worked on it during that essentially was talking about how language models are. The term to use is stochastic parrots. Essentially, it's, it's <laughs> made, um, that all they're doing is looking at statistical information inside of all the chain data um, and giving you an answer without really understanding what it is, which to some degree is kind of true, but we're getting really wonky and and in weird territory when it comes to understanding. You know, like there, there's, I won't get into it, but there's maybe some more conflict on as to whether or not that's entirely a fair assessment. Regardless, this came out, they were, they felt very strongly about this. Google was very much like, well, we want to hear you, but what's, what's our path forward? And they were like, there's no path forward. No way. Don't do it. Um, and eventually they came to a head. And um, I think to me, it was like, you know, either you give me some certain information. They want, she wants to know about like um, people who are critiquing her work or um, I'm out and Google jumped on the chance. Oh, cool. We'll take that as uh, your resignation. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. <laughs> and that became a really big deal because it felt like Google was kind of kicking their AI ethicists to the curb because it was uncomfortable. Um, and that, no. was, that was, that was such a dramatic moment. And um, you know, now we're in a place where uh, even though Google kind of took a lot of that to heart, they're kind of getting um, they're kind of getting beat in the other direction. 
for being too mm-hmm. slow and sitting on this technology and not making taking those risks. And I think mm-hmm. what's going to end up happening is it seems like there's there's no value there's no value to Google for waiting. They got nothing out of it. There's no value for them having this strong ethical board. Um, either they did nothing as the ethical board was trying to tell them what to do, um, and they got their own internal you know employees or their investors upset, or they took a risk um, and you know maybe made some people upset like the ethicists. Um, but they would have potentially been first to market. They would have potentially had more time and experience out, out there, like you see with OpenAI. Mm-hmm. So I think increasingly, and you, you hear this instead of like, you know, um, media snippets and, 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 you know, stories, expositions about like what's going on inside of Google. They're like, caution to the wind. We're getting nothing out of being cautious. It's actually hurting our bottom line. It's hurting our, our um, brand. Um, mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's do it. So, I mean, to this point, I think all the fears that we've had about these models are, are are almost so um, let's say uh, inconsequential to <laughs> the actual end result. In the end, what's going to win out is is capitalism. What's going to win out is getting getting a product out there. What's going to win out is is actually successfully um, solving problems with this tool, not sitting back and you know humming and hawing over the hallucinations and over the misinformation or the bias that you see in these things. And this is the other thing I find actually really interesting. When we think about sort of these committees and this, these groups that are trying to like sort of make sure that things go in the right way and, and we don't care, right? Um, like, like, sure, there's, I think there's two ends of this. One is, of course, like the, the moral end, um, which we can go in and, and it's a very deep space. A lot of like <laughs> difficult conversations to have within mm-hmm. that space. I, I still don't think we really figured out the whole like, um, like uh, oh gosh, the the train problem or whatever with the with trolley, problem. The trolley, trolley problem, the trolley problem with yes. with the AI cars. I still don't yeah. think we really really solved that. Uh, I think we're kind of like, oh, does the car go into a crowd of people or does it go into a car killing someone? I don't know. You know, like we we, we never really get to a clear answer with those philosophical moral questions. But there's also this other end, which is like the functional end, right? Mm. Hey, this doesn't work right. This doesn't kind of work in the right way. And there's this awesome talk by um, Jonathan Blow. He, he created Braid um, and The Witness. These are uh, games that are yeah. very puzzle-based in nature. Um, and he gave this talk in Moscow in 2019 called uh, Preventing the Collapse of Civilization. Um, and in his talk, at the very beginning, he goes through all of the bugs that he found from the time, like, like that he encountered in like a single day. <laughs> I think it was like starting like the day before that he gave the talk to like the talk. He recorded every bug he encountered. And throughout that day, he encountered like I don't know, thirty or forty bugs, you know, in just in just regular daily life around the world. Um, going yeah. going through like probably the metro to use his, his tap card errors out. You know, tries to go to Google to do a search. Um, maybe it's down today. Um, you know, like all kinds of like that. Yeah, yeah. I was flying back from um, uh, from the states recently, um, and the person I was traveling with um, had a non-Canadian, non-US passport and was trying to come back into Canada. And because I was flying from a domestic location, they didn't know how to handle no visa in their system. They just didn't have a thing for it. It's like, it's a scenario. It's very valid. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) somebody like lives there as a full-time resident, but doesn't actually have like a, like a a, specifically a visa (laughs) and doesn't have a citizenship. So it's like, you know, it fits totally fine in most cases, but it doesn't in this one case. But there's all these situations that happen every day. And, and mm-hmm. the fact that we kind of get used to it 
and we get more and more and more used to it to some degree is sort of like the argument that that he makes in this talk um kind of indicates to some degree that we're okay with defects we're okay with bugs we already encountered them so much that to some degree we're we're like fine yeah um <laughs> and we're, we're, um we're we're pretty i think we're pretty durable as a species i think people underestimate how durable we are we don't necessarily like if we go back to like you know um hunter-gatherer societies we had bugs <laughs> then too oh no my stick that i was going to kill that um mammoth with broke um <laughs> you know uh Oh no, um, my my shoes that I strapped on my feet, um, the strap wasn't very good. Uh, and then it impacts their lives in probably more life or death ways than the bugs that we deal with, um, you know? Uh, but I, I think I think that's that's something that we increasingly are more averse to. But mm-hmm. when push comes to shove, you know, we'd, we'd rather have any stick in our hands um, and go after that mammoth than have none. Mm-hmm. I think the, the challenge comes down to especially with this, when we're talking about like a low barrier to entry, the idea that we can reach for this stick, which may not be as durable. It may not work, you know, directly for every situation, but we know it'll handle a wide range of situations. Right. Mm-hmm. And rather than the stick that we know, right. So like, say we build something, we know that it's built out of concrete. We know that we, you know, reinforce it with rebar. That's all good. We kind of go and we pick up this AI, we pick up chat GPT, we, throw it at a problem i don't know what it's been trained on nobody knows like it you know it's impossible to understand the inner workings of it it's kind of hard to work backwards you can really work forwards with these things you can train them to a specific idea of what we can do with it but looking back is hard um and you know here's here's my thought um let me let me use this metaphor again this this uh Throwing, throwing spears at, ma- at mammoths. You know, you think about what the alternative is. Hypothetically speaking, let's say these people were just gatherers. They weren't hunters beforehand. You know, they're like, we don't need to go after mammoths. The stick that you have will break one out of 10 times. Um, that one out of 10 times, you'll probably die. Um, so why don't we just stay here and eat berries? We have enough berries. Most likely for a long time, we know how to do berries. This is our bread and butter. This is our, our strawberry and blueberry. You know, like this is, this is what we do. Um, who succeeds the group of people who stick to the strawberries and blueberries or the group of people who have some in them that are willing to throw that spear at the mammoth? Generally speaking, the latter. Um, right. They're adaptable. Yeah. They're, and, and they're willing to take risks. Um, yeah. and this is, and this is something that we've been taught in many different ways, not just, you know, in this very contrived metaphor, but in. Um, a more like sincere and literal sense with our, our capital society, you know, people the risks um, stagnate, companies stagnate, um, and this is a fear I think that a lot of people have, and they're willing to take risks, and those risks can be any, it can, it can they can lead to the the downfall of their company, it can lead to um, their deaths potentially if that if it's an airplane that potentially has, you know, a faulty and this literally happens a faulty sensor, they they might crash, but we take those risks because they're small enough. Um, that we're not too scared and the value proposition of getting onto the airplane and flying over across the ocean is so high that we can't, we can't wait for profession. And I think this is where we're at right now. And I think that this is something we're going to make peace with, um, come what may, and it's going to be painful. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, I just saw, um, recently there was an article in the, the Washington post, I think talking about this woman who, um, got this phone call from her son 
um, asking for money. He'd been kind of like, you know, put in jail um, and he needed help and he needed her to come, you know, send him money. Um, and so, she, you know, she rushed out. She, uh, he'd lost his wallet. He'd lost his phone. And, and you know, so no, she rushed out to go, go send him money. Yeah. And um, it wasn't until sort of like the police were like questioning her uh, about it because it kind of like flagged something in the banking system. You yeah. know, because pulling out the max amount at multiple ATMs kind of eventually flags, you know, uh, the right people um, at banks. And um, anyway, then they kind of found out, hey, you know, that person who called was really using an AI yeah. to change their voice to sound more like your son. Right. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, maybe didn't even have to have their voice originally. It could just be text. Right. Um, and because it's a call coming in at a random point, you know, from somewhere it's pretty untraceable. Uh, it's very easy to kind of commit these sort of, these sort of um, uh, fraudulent um, activities. Yeah. Um, and, and we're definitely in that, you know, I, we're going so fast that we're definitely opening ourselves up to this possibility. Yeah. There's, there's a new model that came out of a couple of months ago. Um, that's really good at this. Um, 11, 11 labs is the name of the company who makes the, the one that I thought was really great. Um, I, I was trying some cool experiments with it. And it's like, this is too impressive. Um, and yeah, it's genes out of the bottle um, with that one. You know, every cool, good thing you can think of with that, you can do. Imagine, imagine uh, you could listen to an ebook, and every single narrator, every single narration has its own unique voice, and they all play together well. Mm-hmm. And it's cheap and free; it doesn't require eight different actors. It's just all mm-hmm. automatic. Uh, imagine um, people who have, you know, who are, you know, blind. Um, you know, how much of the world is set to them in this robotic voice that they often don't like very much, you know, love them have really cool tools to kind of get through it faster. But what if the mm-hmm. entire world sounded nicer to them? Um, mm-hmm. what if the entire world sounded nicer to us had more natural sound voices that sound like real people. There's really cool exp- like examples of people who, um, have like ALS very advanced and they can't speak anymore. Um, mm-hmm. who want these tools to help them with an automated system community on their behalf, tons of fascinating things. There's also mm-hmm. the scammers. There's also um, the, the deep fakes. There's also the propaganda that we're going to deal with when it comes to this as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah. If you read our post on like the, the, the FOMO with AI, uh, one thing I touch on in there is the, the need for some sort of digital signature, mm-hmm. some ability for us. Because like, as of yet, like we've got, of course, like verified on like Twitter or Instagram and stuff where, you know, where it's like, oh, this is really that person, right? because it's so easy online to like make yourself look like somebody else. But now if you sound like that person, if they talk like you, if they look like you, if they, you know, have your same mannerisms, suddenly it gets to a point where it's very convincing yes. to, to a much more significant degree than just copying your profile. Right. Somebody can really kind of go through a lot to, to, to replicate, you know, exactly what you're doing. Look, it won't be long until um, you can make a bot as fashion after a person so wholly and completely that the only way you know they weren't real is that they were physically not in that room with you. You could have somebody mm-hmm. who is trained on all their writing, and this is a thing you already see out there, and write a lot like them. Um, you can have them, you don't need to tra- train. If you ask ChatGPT, can you write like um, Edgar Allan Poe um, or, mm-hmm. or you know, Emmanuel Kant or whomever? Um, there's enough data inside of that model that says, cool, this is how they write. Um, you get a short audio clip of, of, you know, some Obama, um, you know, mm-hmm. talking great. This is how he sounds. You get a picture of his face and you have all these, you know, picture models. And even now the animated, animated picture models and soon video models, mm-hmm. 
And this is how they look, this is how they move. And let's tween all that together. And you have a digital presence that is indistinguishable from um, the, the real one. Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean for our world? That means a lot of different things, you know, and, you know, the, the, the fear-based mentality of this is reasonable, I think. I, I mean, I'm not a beautiful person, but I can really appreciate what somebody can think about that. And the first feeling they have is dread. Um, you know, again, lots of wonderful things you do with that. Imagine video games. That's fun entertainment where every character feels alive. Um, that'd be Absolutely. wonderful, you know? Um, that'd be so much fun. Um, yeah. But there's a book yeah. that... <laughs> there's a, there's a book that we both read that um, I think talks about these 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 ideas in a really mm-hmm. cool way, um, and it's a book by Neil Stevenson. It's called The Diamond Age, um, a illustrated primer for I forget what the full title is, but um, effectively it's it's uh, it's this book and it, it talks about this age sort of after a cyberpunk age and this sort of diamond age where um, you basically have like kind of nanobots that can kind of create anything. A young lady's yes. illustrated primer. A young lady's illustrated primer. Yes, um, and uh, the, the 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 that title is is interesting, but um, it's largely because there's a sort of primer that's that's created in the book, um, and in this book there is sort of a tutor. Um, it's an AI tutor that um, is able to um, train its owner in the ways of being a proper lady in the world. Um, and it kind of helps, it, it takes in input from its surroundings. It helps kind of build lesson plans, build understanding of sort of like, you know, the world around, um, in that book, there's this book, but then I think also in the world, something else that's interesting that ties a bit more to like this deep fake world, um, is this idea of, um, one of the, one of the main characters in the book, um, is this woman who, um, uses her voice and, and kind of acts, in these VR experiences, um, people have AIs that can kind of do like go through like um, uh, a mystery game with them, or or go through these scenarios. Uh, but it's a lot more fun to have a real actor. Imagine you know you want to play a game, but then you can actually go play a game with like your favorite actor, and and it's actually them. Yeah. You know, we have the the way that we have things today is like we have the those um, things where you can get uh, your favorite actor to say anything. And you kind of send them a little bit of money. That, like that 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah, like 20 bucks. And, you know, they'll say something for you. But imagine you get to rent their time um, and have them come, you know, play your favorite video game with you and be an, be a character in that game, fully active, fully voiced, moving around in the game. The, this, this book sort of like has this idea um, and the idea that people would prefer that to an AI even because well, there may not be something that there may you know, there may be a gap. Yeah, I, I think I think I think like a lot of things, we're gonna probably start with a lot of the the first generation of these um, more um, embodied embodied implies the physical body, but I mean more rounded, um, like AI models that are so much like a particular person that already exists to give you that familiarity. You know, like I have to think of this in, in design. So you know what I think about? Um, do you remember skeuomorphism in um, in design? So that term is weird. Yeah. So uh, Apple really did this with the first iPhone, actually. Speaking of iPhones and stuff. <laughs> um, remember the notepad that had actually a yellow <laughs> a yellow screen with lines on it? Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, and you'd have like a camera icon that looked like, a, like the, the actual camera, like you, like you, mm-hmm. you, you know. So mm-hmm. the reason behind this skeuomorphic, like, you know, pattern, design pattern was to help people 
um, acclimate to new technologies, basically. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't know how, we didn't know what this was a blank page was on this notes app, how to interact with it. But it'll look like a yellow pad with lines on it. You, you have some sort of intuitive understanding or some experience that helps you get across that, that barrier. Um, now we don't need that anymore. Now we have much more customized, um, like notepad apps that suit our needs, a lot of variety of them. Um, and yeah. we can even, you know, specify the color background, the note, um, you know, font and all this stuff is all dealer's choice. Um, and I think we're going to see a similar path forward with all of these, these models in the sense that at first you're going to want to get people to feel familiar and comfortable with how these tools work. And you're going to combine with, with, you know, either characters and people that we recognize, or even just interfaces that we recognize. But in time, I think we'll go somewhere completely different. Um, and I, I want to talk about this because I think it's a fascinating concept, uh, but, but I'll, I don't want to put you off. Finish no, your no. Uh, Cool. Yeah, I, I think um, I think I think it's 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 uh, it's it's an interesting topic in in relation to that because, um, like, that's where that's where there's kind of going to be this interesting boundary. Like you asked that question earlier about um, sort of like what does this look like when done well. Mm -hmm. I think that we're going to hit this period right now that we're kind of entering where it's like, do I want to interface with a chat bot all the time? Everyone's yeah. sort of existing experience of, of chatting with a bot um, is somewhat either limited. Um, I remember there were a lot of like websites where you, they had this sort of like AI persona that you could talk with and it was, it was fairly impressive already to some degree. So like how much more impressive could this be to some degree? And, and, I think there's going to be a general like hesitance in that regard. Um, but, you know, if you can kind of take that into these other experiences like games, like, you know, I think about um, uh, there's a game called uh, uh, No Man's Land. Mm. Um, no Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. There we go. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, where uh, where you're kind of like exploring the universe in, in a spaceship and you're kind of running into these aliens. And the aliens are kind of like trying to talk to you in their own language. Um, and you don't understand them at first, but you sort of like learn words and you can kind of start to understand them over time. Um, the amount of depth that you could have with something like ChatGPT grows a lot more in those spaces. And you could actually, um, I think there was also a, a game, I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was like an indie game, but you uh, you talked to a computer in the game. You would kind of wander around and you'd be talking to this AI. And the entire game is like you having these conversations with the AI. Um, and then the AI would sort of like let you in through different like dialogue sequences and, and stuff. But it it knew just enough to sound like an AI and, and mm. act like an AI. And in the context of the game, it worked fairly well. Um, but, you know, you can kind of enhance these experiences like one step further. Um, but I agree there is sort of a uncanny valley space that we have to get through mm -hmm. to get to these points. Um, and the idea of like having your book talk to you to teach you stuff is going to be one of those uncanny valley points. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about this two things I want to talk about. And I'm going to forget. I want to bring it out there. One. Yeah. What I think will be the next generation of personal assistance. Um, and two, what I think the next generation of education will look like. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Let's talk about, we were talking about this book. So let's, let's dive into education and then we'll go out to personal assistance. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. So I was on Twitter the other day. Um, I'm really on Twitter, um, but it's not true anymore. I used to not be on Twitter uh, very much, but I am now. Um, and I, I wish I could remember that. I so, much, so much AI news. So much AI news there. That's why. 
I wish yeah. I, I wish I saved every tweet. But I was reading um, this one person was talking about um, it's just like this like like this angel investor talking about all the cool AI things he's invested in, and he's a parent, so he cared a lot about education, and he was talking about how floored he was by the next generation of he's investing in two separate education platforms that use language models, but other AI tools as well to create entirely customized um, experiences for, for children. Um, and, you know, this is the thing we've been, this is the holy grail of education we've had since we've been talking about education in classrooms uh, for, for, you know, generations. It's why people hire private tutors. It's why people mm-hmm. um, seek smaller classrooms. They want their children to have a more one-to-one experience with somebody who understands them, their limitations, the things they struggle with, and can help push them forward. Um, mm-hmm. Not just push them forward. I mean, beyond that, a really good, this is something I learned about when I was doing some teaching back in the day. Um, uh, somebody told me the, the best teacher isn't the one who's the most technically understand, like knowledgeable, isn't the most um, you know, um, correct in their, their paradigm that they're following. It's the one that's the most engaging. Um, mm-hmm. If they can engage the students, then they won the teacher race. What would be more engaging than a model that knew exactly what you liked, how to talk to you, can make games for you to, to get you to where you need to go? It, this is the other thing. I, I followed this uh, this guy. I think he's like uh, Gamer Health or something like that. He's like a psychologist on YouTube. Um, but he did he did this, this video talking about how especially, effectively um, gifted kids are actually special needs kids. Um, and it's largely because they're always sort of ahead of the, the kind of class. Um, and that's actually like a really hard place to be because you start, you stop learning how to work hard. Mm-hmm. You, you don't get a chance to ever work hard in your, in your, in your time. Um, and none of the courses like kind of keep up with you. And then at some point you get to college and everyone else in your class has built up these skills to like know how to learn and know how to learn quickly and know how to like, you know, have more and more homework and more and more responsibility, but you've kind of always been at a zero. And then you kind of hit like high school or college and suddenly you're at like, you know, a hundred <laughs> and you're, you're suddenly overwhelmed. Um, whereas the rest of the time you were fine. Um, and, and, and then you also have this expectation that you have to be the best in your class. Uh, and so it puts you in this very terrible psychological place. And the idea of like sort of how that starts is like, you get a you get an assignment in class. It's like you know something simple to you or or that you can figure out fairly easily. And then you kind of go up to your teacher. You're like, hey, can I get another one? And they're like, well, no, no. Like the class, like you know, read a book or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't have enough time. <laughs> you know, I, I like the rest of the class isn't caught up to you. So like you have to wait, right? Um, the idea of an AI being able to take that waiting time and actually incorporate that into a lesson plan that can be spun up so that it like fits what you need at that point to stay engaged, to stay learning, to learn more. Um, that I think is going to keep a lot of students from like kind of bouncing out when it comes to education. Um, because I think there's a lot of students that, that probably are gifted that might not even have ever just been able to engage with school in the yeah. right way. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's going to be so much opportunity here, but I think there'll also be a lot of pushback. There's something particularly, I think, uncomfortable people um not everybody i think some parents are gonna be like i don't care let's give my kid a private ai teacher no problem and some parents are gonna be like i don't want a a, a robot teaching my children literally this is gonna be a a huge point of contention and what i'm worried about um it's it's like it's like i think imagine it's the the years 2000 or 1999 or something like that 
And um, there's somebody who's philosophically and emotionally and, and, and maybe religiously against the idea of the internet and using computers. And they, they never let their child use the internet. And so that child gets homeschooled, they go through life, never using the internet. They come at the other end um, and they're tossed into the working world in the year 2018, never using the internet, never using a computer. Um, what are their opportunities? Um, much smaller than they would have been otherwise. Um, and mm-hmm. they might feel forever behind. You know, they might find a niche, of course. There's not, not a guarantee. But if the goal is to give your child the tools to succeed in as many potential avenues in the future as possible, you're going to hit this divide with some people in the world who are going to say, for whatever reason, I absolutely don't want my children to be you know, um, taught by AI and the ones who do. And I'm, I'm pretty confident the ones who do are going to, are going to succeed more. Not if only because the world will increasingly be communicating through models and AI. Um, you know, if, if 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 the if the world even continues to work the way we expect it to in twenty years, who knows? Like, I, it's it's really hard to guess. But let's assume, hypothetically speaking, that we we have a slower you know increase in the complexity of the world and how AI kind of rolls in. And in twenty years, we're still kind of doing what we're doing today, but with just more AI in the in the in the loop. Um, then you're going to want to have um, an understanding of how to use AI in the loop. Or else you're going to be out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think a big part of that comes down to how quickly like schools can embrace it. Um, yeah. I, I think especially like uh, I similar to you, I still haven't gotten back into Twitter, but I'm on TikTok for some reason, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I find myself there more often than I would expect. Right. Um, I, I have like the timer set up, so it's like I only spend 15 minutes at a time, but like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I try, uh, you know. I like how many caveats you're throwing at you're throwing at me right now. However, enjoy your TikTok. You know, we only have one digital life to live. It's true. Fair enough. Um, but there's all these teachers um, uh, that that kind of are showing like what they're doing in their classes now that they kind of know that this exists. Um, one teacher I, I really enjoyed where um, she basically had students provide the prompts that they would use to generate an mm-hmm. essay. Then like we're able to get the essay at the other end and then they had to grade it themselves. Right. And like how well the essay like worked. Um, and, and I think it's interesting. I do find it very interesting. The idea that education could evolve um, in such a way that, you know, if you were a genius in math or you were a genius in some topic, you may not need to know like all the details of how to be, you know, fully, I don't know, able to write like long form papers. And that may not be a skill that you actually need that you, you know, especially with like attention spans shrinking and, and people being able to, you know, having a less, less attention span just kind of generally because of digital. Um, the idea for those people to still be able to kind of perform in society and, and, and feel at home. It's, it's, it's sort of alien to us and it's a little scary and it kind of sounds like a bad idea, but I do find it fascinating. <laughs> the idea that, that we could kind of evolve into this, this world where, Hey, we're more, we're more okay with short form and we can kind of deal more with short form to some degree. <sighs> I, you know, you know, there's, there's so many moving parts, I feel like, um, and I want to use this as an opportunity to, to kind of pivot into um, personal systems. Cause I think they come into play here. Um, so let me talk about a company first before I start off. Um, if I'm one of eyeing for a while, mm-hmm. uh, Adept AI, I think I might've mentioned them in the previous episode. 
Um, so Adept AI is working on um, what they call an action model. Um, so um, I think the first model that they kind of shown off in like videos online is the act one model. In the same way that there's language models and there's models that can handle pictures and there's models that can handle, you know, different kind of modalities fundamentally. Uh, and there's ones that are coming out in the future that can handle multiple modalities at once. So images, videos, and language at the same time. Very fascinating. I'll talk about that real quick in that episode. But um, this one is all about acting on your behalf on a computer. Um, and that's a pretty fascinating space. Um, their goal, really, and, and, and they, have a, they have quite the founder list. I think, I think they have their founders and their employees are all um, ex-Google, ex-OpenAI, ex-DeepMind. Um, in fact, the, one of the, the co-founder is one of the people who wrote one of the authors of the Transformer paper, the Attention is All You Need paper, which has literally started, I think, 90% of what we talked about today. That, that, that paper has, has been the seed of it all. Um, and, you know, the, the, I mentioned earlier that a bunch of these um, people have on, all went and started their own companies. And this is one of the ones that I think is most interesting because they envision a world in the future in which it's, the world is, is overwhelming. It's already overwhelming. There's already so much out there. Um, and it, there'll be more and more um, endpoints for us to interact with. There'll be chat box that exists on websites that can answer your questions. There will be, um, you know, more and more apps that you can connect with. So there'll be more and more products and, 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 and searches that you can do and filters that you can filter through. Um, and short form, in my mind, is like, I just want this thing. Can you do everything behind the scenes to make it happen for me? And if it's good enough understanding what you want and can go do for you, I think this is going to be the interface that that um, is going to succeed more than anything else. Where every company is trying to make their own um, interface that uses language models and other models to kind of interact with the user, I think what's going to end up happening is that's all going to be a, a nonsense, nonsensical front. What's going to really matter is the, the model that you have on your phone or on your computer. Um, Instacart, for example, would you rather have um, a model that exists on Instacart.com that you go to and talk to um, that's going to try to you know, upsell you probably as well uh, and you know, have their own kind of motivations there or a model that exists on your phone that you talk to and say, can you go online on Instacart or whatever site you think like Instacart has the best deals and make me a grocery list that is kind of, you know, um, that is meat, meat forward, let's say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the vegetables, heavier than meat um, and, uh, and, and, you know, make it cheap under like $200, make it diverse, mm-hmm. give me some, give me like 10 meal plans you can make out of it. Um, and, and just go, it takes a few minutes to come back. It's like, cool, here it is. Here's a, here's a shopping cart for you. Um, that's actually half Instacart, half, you know, food to me.com, whatever site it is. Cause they have a good deal for you right now. You know, it's under, it's $160 and it, it has enough food for you for 12 meals. And this is the, the meal breakdown, uh, approved. Great. Done for you. I would rather have that any time today, a hundred times over than individual personalized language models for each site. And I think this is something that th- these people realize. And they want to get there first. It's going to be so hard to predict how this continues to move forward. It's going to be an unending like arms race. Uh, you know, we can look at like, movies like her and think, okay, well, maybe we'll look at her in the future. And maybe we look at her in the future. But I can't tell you for sure what's going to happen. I just think that um, the interface of the future is going to be too hard to predict with the tools that we have today alone, let alone the tools that we'll have tomorrow and the week after and the month after and the year after. Yeah, I almost feel like sort of like what you're talking about is a bit of like the aggregation um, of a lot of different types of services. Like we even saw this with like uh, Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. There were a lot of 
you know, publishers, um, broadcast groups, um, license owners that saw their licenses sitting on a shelf. No one wants to buy DVDs. Um, you know, they've already got it on cable, but it's not bringing in that much money. Um, what more can we do with this? And there's this cool new streaming thing, right? Um, and there really weren't any others for a very long time. And so you, you only had really one place to go. Um, and then these others sort of came out. They sucked at first. They got better. Um, they still kind of suck. <laughs> I think they're still like, you know, nice to have that still don't exist. And like, um, I think sometimes like, uh, I don't know, your stream quality might be worse just because Netflix has such a good share. Rewinding, right? uh, for, fast forwarding mm-hmm. episodes, those mm-hmm. simple UX things are just so much easier mm-hmm. sometimes than Netflix and any other yeah. app. I'm, I'm watching something on my I'm watching something on my phone or my tablet and then I like want to go watch it in the living room and it doesn't have the same place, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and and that's sort of like what you're talking about in, in a way, right? Where, you know, Instacart comes out with this thing. It's non-general, but if they get there first and it's communicated and easy to use and understandable, people may think to go there initially. Yeah, um, that's what they want. They think, want to be the Google of of buying food. <laughs> Similarly, uh, I saw this thing and didn't fully understand it, but uh, I think ESPN is sort of thinking about being that aggregator for sports. ESPN is like almost synonymous with sports. They're you know they're like Google in that way for search, right? Um, and they're talking about bringing in other groups underneath the ESPN names. So they've got like ESPN Plus because they don't actually have enough channels to cover all the content that they have. So they now have like ESPN plus for like other content. Right. Um, and, and, and so, you know, whoever gets their first may dictate sort of the interface that we have. Um, but that doesn't mean there, it'll be the only interface um, to, to increase the degree, which, you know, maybe just add some more color to sort of what you were already saying there. No, absolutely. And, and, I, and I think this is going to be like a, like a knockdown all out war. Really, it will be because mm-hmm. let's 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 do a quick hypotheticals, real quick. Um, what happens to every single app, website, interface that exists right now in the world if somebody masters making a personal system that can live on your phone and can interact mm-hmm. on your behalf, and not just do it when you talk to it, but do it proactively? Do you? Mm-hmm. Ever, w- w- how often would you go on the computer and type anything into Google? Much less. How often? How often would you check your email? Yes, you know. <laughs> All, all these things yeah. that that are are like interfaces for you to interact with certain slices of life suddenly become automated, simplified, and condensed in a way that you personally like. In the same way that that book, um, in um, you know that lady primer, <laughs> that, that diamond age, uh, you know, is all about customizing the experience for the user. I think this is the thing we want not just for education, but for our lives. Increasingly so, I think the term analysis paralysis is one that we've all heard. And we all completely understand that to a deep degree. And so I think if, I think this is probably a fear a lot of companies have just, you know, once we're thinking a bit more forward, how do we, how do we survive a, a world that will remove or create a new, um, you know, intermediary between me and the, and the user? Um, they can, this intermediary can, you know, have all the power. Let's say Google makes this, um, this personal assistant and it's the best one. Um, nobody else, nothing else is going to matter. In the same way, all ads have to go through Google. All ads will have to go through this assistant. All, all, all opportunities to interact with the user will have to be on the terms of that assistant. Um, and I, and I, I think that we won't, we'll be there for a while. I think it'll be a couple of years, two, three, four years before we see anything that's even kind of really hinting at that. But um, maybe this year we'll see, you know, a depth AI come out with their, their model that lets you 
literally just talk into your computer and say, can you fill up a spreadsheet with information about, um, you know, uh, COVID, COVID stats for my country over the last two months compared against other country and simplify and organize it in this way, with this color scheme and, and turn it into a CSV file for me to download and send it to my, my boss. Okay, actually, can you do the download for me and send it to my boss for me as well? Um, can you also put a little message for me and tell them uh, this is what the findings are in summary? Um, and here's a document and here's a graph and here's the information. Cool, done for you. That would have been literal science fiction two years ago, three years ago. Mm-hmm. How, how crazy does that sound now? Yeah. Uh, not at all. A lot more doable. Yeah, yeah right. There, there's, um, it's interesting, like, um, thinking about, like, e-commerce companies um, in, in this regard. Um, it's just what this reminds me of. Um, when you think about, like, selling products, you don't really care if they used your website to get to the product. Um, and that's why, like, SEO is so important for um, how companies list products online. They use this thing called uh, schema.org to list products. They, they list, like, sort of, like, the pricing and, like, other information about the product. You know, on this, you know, service, uh, or you turn them in this in this markup in this in this code, um, and it describes their product, it describes the price, it describes how big they are, it describes all these kind of details and dimensions of of those products, and um, it it kind of opens it up for anybody to have access to that data, and I think it would be interesting to see sort of how this disruption and this idea of hey let's you know, cut out the middleman application, cut out the aggregator. Let's have customers go directly to grocery stores. Let's have customers go directly to, you know, people that are, you know, uh, maybe Uber drivers, right? Uh, we don't necessarily want to deal with the intermediary to some degree. Um, and I think there will be an entire new business line that gets created to now enable your actual suppliers to deal directly with customers yeah. in a, in a very one-to-one way. Um, because like, this isn't the end, you know, uh, like I think, I think it, it like kind of hearing like what you said, it does feel very like, um, Oh, like this is going to disrupt everything, you know, to some degree, like all these apps I have on my phone gone, you know, all these, you know, websites I have open gone, you know, there's a lot of this stuff that, that could just go away, but you know, I, I think because we're very digital, we we think about that first and we're like, oh, gosh, that sounds scary. But there really is like a whole bunch of people doing <laughs> physical things, <laughs> supplying stuff, getting things in the right place for all this stuff to work. Right. And, yeah. and um, it just so happens that that digital interface could completely change uh, the same way it did when the Internet came about. Yeah, that's like 30 years old, you know, yeah. <laughs> not, not not even really. Um, <laughs> and we have a complete change in how we deal with everything. Um, mm-hmm. I think we get so comfortable with that. We get so married to that idea that we forget that that's not like some eternal, like established norm. It can change entirely mm-hmm. in the future. Um, and every company, and this is why there's a gold rush. This is why there's FOMO. Every company, when they feel a little bit of that fear, like, oh no, this could be a, a disruption that changes everything about my business. They want to get there mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's kind of close off real quick. Uh, if you don't mind, um, I want to talk about one. Yeah, we're last at the hour mark. Yeah, it's a good a good place to start winding it down. Yeah, yeah. This has been a great competition, by the way, Ben. Always, always yeah. a treat. Um, yeah, definitely. So I have a I have a, a hobby. I like to go and um, read research papers about AI. I've been doing this for years. Um, ben, poor poor guy, has been on the receiving end of this uh, on on long walks with during especially during COVID, like earlier earlier years. Um, we would go on long walks on the water. Um, very romantic especially in the summer. Oh, I miss it. 
Um, and uh, we we would talk about AI often. I talk about some paper I read. Um, and you know, there's there's more papers always coming out every every day. We're not done with research papers and interesting things we're working on. Cool, wonderful things. And I think I want to share like one or two that I hear or read about, you know, um, every time we do this podcast. Um, this is going to be tied to a paper particularly. You know, there was one that's new that came out that's really interesting. Um, it's called um, Palm E. That's P-A-L-M dash E. Um, Palm is already a known language model by Google. It's probably the best language model that exists in the world, although it's very behind closed doors. Don't let people touch it. Um, just You can kind of hear about it. They've had like fine-tuned versions like MedPalm, which are really, really interesting and, and really powerful medical information, but still all very textual-based. Now, there's been research that shows um, or like that's been trying to find ways to combine these text-based models with um, first step is image models. Um, you know, imagine that you um, right now try to give ChatGPT a picture of um, a dog playing in a field. You just upload it to a, a chat and say, hey, what's in this picture? ChatGPT, no idea. No matter how much the API, they'll have no idea. That model is not trained to handle, um, you know, image text. It might lie and tell you, oh, it's a picture of uh, cats. And it's like, oh, it, it, it's and it actually may know something about that. Given like, say it's on, it, it parsed okay. a page that had that exact link. Yes. On that page and had description of that, you know, and that was used enough times throughout the model that it can kind of find that. It can kind of venture. guess. It can kind of get context. It'll guess. But if you say, I literally, I took this picture right now on my phone. I'm going to upload directly to you. Tell me what's in it. No idea. Um, but there are models people have made um, uh, that can do this, can tell you what's in the picture. Some really fascinating stuff. Um, but they're really often not going to, not very verbose. You know, they can just tell you in a sentence, sentence like, oh, dogs playing in the field. And they're like, oh, do you like dogs? And it's like, I don't know what you're saying to me. I, I can just tell you what's in the picture. Um, so combining this with language model, could be very powerful. Um, if you're talking about like you know technical opportunities, um, think about all the PDFs that have images in them um, that are full of interesting documentation and information, um, or websites um, that are full of this information um, that um, is currently unavailable or, or not um, you know consumable by you know ChatGPT uh, or whatever language model you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. These things can't look at these pictures and, and deal with them. What would happen if it could actually um, do that? What if we look at a picture and understand them, as well as communicate with um, you and, and natural language. You know, in the research mm-hmm. papers, what we see, uh, actually, it's really interesting, is that they tend to do better in particular tests, much better than they would otherwise. Uh, a, a simple, great example is, uh, imagine you ask it, in this test, is like, here's a picture on the side, and here's some text. You know, there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a couple of oranges in this picture, a couple of apples. Mm-hmm. It's shuffled around and remove a, an apple and orange. How many apples and oranges do we have? And something like that, something silly. Uh, you know, with if with just visual understanding, you can see the picture, but you don't know what any of the questions and queries are asking you about the picture. It's useless. You can say there are four apples and two oranges in this picture, but not really answering the core of that like riddle you might be getting. With just text, mm-hmm. you can kind of guess. I'm like, okay, well, uh, um, I'll make a mental model, close my eyes and think about it, but I don't know for sure. I don't know what's going on in this picture. Mm-hmm. Um, with, a, with both, suddenly it's like, oh, cool. No problem. I can understand and solve this problem. There, there are benchmarks and tests being written around this idea. Um, and, you know, we see now models are coming out um, that can actually handle this stuff quite well. And not only that, we're seeing something called transfer learning, where because it's better at images and better, better at text, it ends up kind of transferring that, that understanding across more domains. It's fascinating stuff. Mm, um, interesting. 
is this is this also like i don't know just as a as an example here to throw a wrench in things um uh, one thing that I've had a hard time finding is is sort of a AI model that does um, more like diagrams. Um, like mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that you've worked on recently is is sort of like something that outputs diagrams. Yes, and so you get like you know I describe the diagram I want and it'll kind of understand it, but then I can't really give it an image of the style of that. Or you know, say it knows how to produce certain diagrams in certain like libraries, but it may not know hey pie charts suck <laughs> you know yeah. don't use pie charts you know yeah exactly exactly like 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 if you if you are really like trying to say go through this website it's like a, i don't know mm-hmm. uh, our world and data has tons of graphs and, and information mm-hmm. you know it could just look at the data and api call and and use a library kind of makes that kind of looks like a good graph but it, just, it actually has no idea what it looks like i've i've i've, I've got language models to make me all kinds of cool graphs in my cool chat app um, which is really fun, but it has no idea what it's making. It's what it's doing. It's it's, it's writing in syntax in either code or in some sort of like markup language, like Mermaid. Mermaid is a markup language that, that people always opt into, kind of like you can with like um, if you know what markup market sorry markdown is, where you can say, for example, hash hash um some words, and it's like oh that hash hash means an H two, which means a header two, which means a pretty big header, not the biggest one. Um, H one is the biggest one, so. Hash with a single one is, is a big header. So that, that's, like, that's like markup and markdown. Um, it's kind of like that, but instead of just headers and paragraphs and lists, it can do this for entire graphs. So that's really powerful right now with language models, but it doesn't really know. It doesn't really see what that graph is at the end. It just knows what the text that it wrote to, to make it looks like. If you can start consuming that information, looking at graphs, looking at the text with it alongside of that, it can have a much better idea of how do things work. But also it, in design, websites. Mm-hmm. Look at this website at the end. Make it look so it looks just like this. It's exactly what I was going to go for. Yeah. Because I, one of the things that I was trying very early on was I, I was building like a marketing demo uh, for something cool that we could do where we kind of like have uh, uh, a, a AI being a sort of advisor about a specific topic. So you kind of give it a bunch of background data and then you kind of have it output, you know, a result based on some client's, you know, case study or something like that. Uh, and I was like, oh, this would be kind of cool, like to figure this that sort of thing out. Um and, uh, you know, the, the website that I was putting this in, it just like, ah, oh, it just kind of didn't look right. And so I kept being like, Hey, style this, like something like style this, like Uber, Uber has really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Style this like Airbnb, they have really cool stuff. And it, it had all the code to build the page, but it didn't know it, it kind of knew what the code was, but it didn't really know what Uber looked like. And it didn't yes. really know what Amazon looked like. Right. It just kind of was like, oh, I've seen those sites and they kind of use these classes and people who have styled those sites use these classes sort of. Exactly. You know, here's sort of it. But to be able to give it like, here's a screenshot of what I want, make the page look like this. That's powerful. Exactly. And I think we'll be seeing that probably next year, maybe end of this year. We'll start seeing, well, we start seeing that probably in like papers and discussions. I think you'll probably see something from Google and Microsoft in the next few months at a, a conference or like an announcement say, cool, look at our cool new behind the scenes product and app because they're both going to be racing towards this future. Um, you know, I, I have eyes on, I bet you will see something about this um, in um, May. May is uh, Google's IO and they're, they're honestly, they have, a, they have a, their feet to the fire right now and they're going to throw AI all over that conference. So I expect to see a lot of those kind of stuff there. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll have access to it before the end of the year. Uh, something, something that can do this, that kind of thing. Um, but that's a, like, this is, this is why it's so hard to predict 
and to get married to anyone's technology as well for me, because I can spend a year, most of the time, trying to make my own product from scratch. And maybe I'll make one that says, cool, this is a specific, this is a model that can handle images, this is one that can handle text. Let me write a whole architecture that can handle both at the same time. Oh, binary, it's clunky, but it kind of works. It, it, you know, I've learned how to annotate an image and pass it to the language model and you can kind of use that to make a facsimile of the, of the Uber site that you, that you wanted. Uh, and then next week, it's like, cool, new model comes out, it can do both in one. Don't worry about it. Don't do it all up. Printer, useless, completely unnecessary. Um, this, is a, this is a real fear people have as well. So you want to make sure you invest the appropriate amount of time and energy in a world that's going to be constantly changing and constantly evolving. Mm-hmm. Keep your eye out and see what's coming down the pipeline or else you're going to be blindsided. Like many people were blindsided by ChatGPT um, or, or Dolly or whatever. Uh, I think that's going to be a thing that's increasingly important. And you know what you can do? You can always come to our podcast, Stable Discussion, where we'll talk about the latest and greatest and uh, keep you informed. I'm trying to make a look kind of or like a cool, like a, like a jingle. Maybe a little yeah, sound. We, yeah. We, do, we do need a trailer. Um, we're on we're on Apple Podcasts now. We're on Shop, uh, Spotify. I always get those confused. Uh, and then we're, of course, on um, uh, like Pocket Casts, which yeah, is yeah. a whole bunch of different places. Uh, but yeah, we don't have a trailer. So, you know, we'll work on it soon. We got snippet and uh, uh, yeah, we, we should probably spend more time to do it. <laughs> Yeah, don't use yeah. my jokey answer. Let's do it for real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would actually like it if this entire cut of this segment of us talking about making the trailer was the trailer. <laughs> it's, 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 a bit, it's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, we just use an AI to make the trailer. So, um, that's it. Soon. Um, soon. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this was great. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was good to talk about sort of like this AI gold rush. Uh, the FOMO that that's creating, how much we're seeing ChatGPT everywhere, yeah. how that reminds us of some of our favorite sci-fi and um, how like everything's going to change again, uh, you know. And, and keep changing. Uh, yeah. And keep changing. Yeah. So um, hopefully this was uh, illuminating. Uh, it certainly was for me even. Uh, just like every, every time we go and we talk through this stuff, I feel like I get something new. Um, oh, same so. here. This is always valuable. And your insights are much more business oriented than mine. I just get into the, the techie nerd stuff. So I appreciate you keeping me grounded, friend. Ben. Bren. I said <laughs> yes. friend and Ben at the same time. And I called you Bren. Bren. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's occupational hazard. <laughs> I'm uh, doing, doing this. So. Perfect. Awesome. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening and uh, look forward to catching up in a, another couple of weeks when we have an entirely new set of world-changing events to cover and guaranteed uh, and discuss about guaranteed two weeks is going to be a different world different world completely cool thanks so much del all right have a good one